get lost in a bunch of like confusing noises and then suddenly you'll hear like a like a bird chirping off in the distance and you'll like be in a forest all of a sudden and you just don't know like how you got there but you just like listen to it for a little bit and you're just so amazed that that's where this like old piece of electronics has like taken you. This is The Lowdown, a podcast about the crazy smart people that make Columbia, Columbia. I'm your host, Acacia O'Connor. Today we're bringing you this very cool, weird-sounding story. I mean that literally. It's about a group of Columbia students making strange music. These students saw this very rare vintage synthesizer that had just been sitting on display in the Computer Music Center for a long time, let's say. And they had a great idea. They wanted to restore the synthesizer to working order and play on it. I heard about this project from my colleague at the engineering school, Mindy Farabee, who is here with me today. Hello. Hello. So really quickly, tell me a little bit about this synthesizer. What makes it so special? Sure. So the machine was one of the first voltage-controlled modular electronic music systems ever created. It was designed by an engineer named Don Buchla. Don Buchla was the pioneering American inventor credited with coming up with the first sound synthesizer. Buchla was really one of the pioneers of electronic music. He had been commissioned by a couple of composers to make a new electronic instrument. This was in the 1960s, right? Correct, like uh, 1963 or so. It was it's called the Buchla 100, 100 series. It was the first of many devices that Don designed. It was revolutionary, really. This was something that the leaders of the computer music program at Columbia realized pretty much immediately. So they bought not one, but three. Don Buchla and Robert Moog are the two people that we can most thank for the invention of the synthesizer. So, skip ahead, 1963, 1973, almost 60 years ago, right? So, it's a long time. Clearly, some things get rusty or get moved around in that time. Right. And then you have a very historic and important artifact that changed the course of music history just sitting there, like a giant paperweight, which is where these engineering students come in. This is our new disco punk EP. Follow us on SoundCloud, <laughs> at Pukla 100. <laughs> Frustration. It's joking. <laughs> I'm James Colesby. I'm a computer science major. Fernando Pascual, mechanical engineering. Luis Collado, electrical engineering major. I'm William Morrow, electrical engineering. Danny Dobkin, and I am a doctoral candidate in music composition. Moro is a keyboardist, and he's experienced with both vintage and modern synthesizers. Colesby and Pasquale are actually in a band together, and they both play keyboards and guitar. Collado is a guitarist, and he also has worked a stint in an instrument repair shop. So there's this crossover between the two disciplines, uh, music and engineering. Dobkin is the only member of the group officially studying music. Sound is really the most interdisciplinary medium out there. Like, as a, as a sound artist, as a composer, I've worked with video artists, performance artists, dancers, sculptors, painters, and now, you know, engineers. 
This crossover between the disciplines of music and engineering here at Columbia are so common that the Department of Music offers a list of course recommendations for music-loving engineers. One of the biggest reasons I got into electrical engineering at all was how directly related it is to music. I've been playing guitar for a long time and it like just naturally follows to like to try to understand the signal chain from striking a chord on the guitar to it getting amplified. So if you try to understand the guitar, you have to take an electromagnetics, a physics electromagnetics course. And then after you've done that, you can start thinking about, well, how does it get any louder? And so then you take a circuit analysis class. And so like when James approached me after circuit analysis class saying like, hey, you like circuit, like music. Right? Would you, would you be interested in, in dealing with an oscillator? I didn't think twice. I was like, yeah, that's literally exactly what I want to be doing right now. Like, that, is like, like, that is where music and electrical engineering intersect. The team's faculty advisor on this project was David Valancourt. He's an electrical engineering senior lecturer. Professor Valancourt, who I had been working with last year uh, doing like an independent project uh, of my own, working on a synthesizer design, and uh, we had talked about getting in contact with the Computer Music Center. They um, ran into each other or something, mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah. at dinner or something, and then they're like, oh, genius idea. <laughs> because like to get this restored uh, by like a professional synth person would be like thousands and thousands of dollars. And we have all the resources here at Columbia. And it's yeah. way, way more fun if we get to do it. <laughs> the initial plug-in was very anticlimactic. We have no idea how, like, how it would sound. We plugged it in, and it was completely silent. And so we eventually just hooked up the, the cabinet that you were just hearing. We hooked it up to an external power supply, we plugged it in, um, and it actually made noise. It made it like, wee! <laughs> and we were all like ecstatic because it actually worked. This is pretty accurate to how it would sound fully restored. This cabinet's in really good shape, um, other than like just, you know, certain things that are slightly, you know, out of like his original specifications, but this, this, the character of what you're hearing is very in tune with what it should sound like. You can hear it when you, when you play it, the sounds that it makes don't sound like music the way that we thought of it before, especially Bukla, uh, his mentality of like what music could be or what we should define as like music much more like airs on the side of like noise, what we think of as like discordant, like scary things at times. I think like so much of the fun of it is just like not knowing when you don't know exactly like how the sound is being made when you can't like fully explain like the whole patch that you've made when you don't really know where all the signals are going and you've just like lost count because there's like 30 wires in front of you and it just looks like a spider's like nest of just like messy noise. I feel like that's when you really like will suddenly stumble upon the most like interesting or the most like groovy like sound that you like have made while spending like hours in front of this thing. In a thing. way, the patch you create, you'll never be able to make it again. Um, so it's this philosophy of kind of live and let live in that once you rip, you know, your patch cords out, you know, uh, the, temp the temperature of the room changes the circuitry because it's all analog making, you know, when you plug this back in, it might not ever sound the same. Just like that.
So where does the project stand now, Mindy? Basically, they're just putting the finishing touches on the restoration, which will ultimately bring the 100 and 200 series back into service. One of the students you just heard, William Morrow, he has also made the Buchla his senior design project. Older synthesizers made before microchips have a tendency to drift out of tune. Morrow is currently designing a circuit that will use a state-of-the-art digital feedback loop to tune the Buchla automatically. That's so great. It's also so satisfying when someone, especially students, have good ideas and they just get to run with it. David Valancourt said basically the same thing. He said, a lot of great projects get off the ground because of ideas brought in by the students. That's what happens when you've got students of this quality showing up here. Thank you so much, Mindy. And thank you, Acacia. Special thanks again to Columbia Engineering and to Mindy Farabee with technical expertise from Jane Nisselson and Teddy Ostro. Grazie to Nora Salatin, our intern. Abigail Forget and Andrea Greenberg are on our distribution team. I'm your host, Keisha O'Connor. The Lowdown is a collaboration between the Columbia Alumni Association and the Office of Public Affairs. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.